revelation, insight, and wisdom by your Spirit uh, regarding your Word. And so, Father, we choose as an act of our will to follow that which you've spoken to us, Father, through your printed Word. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians uh, chapter 3. We'll continue there today. And um, we're kind of slowly working our way through the book of Philippians. And um, we're not in any hurry to get it done. And so uh, sometimes we'll get through some things pretty quickly. And then sometimes we waller around in, in a verse or two. And, and, um, and then sometimes, you know, we'll go through all the notes I have. And then we'll come back the next week. And the Lord, there'll be some other things that the Lord wants to to speak to us about that, and so um, it's good to just spend the time uh, doing the verse by verse, and so we typically have set aside just uh, by the direction of, of the Lord to uh, Wednesday nights to be a verse by verse study, uh, and of course we're kind of doing that on Sunday morning, we don't usually do that on Sunday morning like that, but, um, um, but uh, we've been going through different books of the Bible on Wednesday nights for many years now, uh, and the nice thing about that is uh, you get to see the kind of the picture of the whole uh, of the whole intent that Paul is trying to write. And so one of the things that, that I encourage you is just in your normal Bible study, one thing that's helpful to do is read like the whole book, of like, like the book of Philippians, for example. There's four chapters in that. You know, it wouldn't take you probably even 30 minutes to read the whole thing uh, and maybe, maybe an hour if you, were, if you wanted to go slow through it. Uh, but but uh, probably even 30 minutes would be plenty to read the whole thing. And it's good to read whole books of the Bible because there actually were letters, right? The New Testament books were letters written to the church. And, and you get a lot better feeling for the intent of, the, of that letter. Why did Paul write this letter to the Philippians? Why did Paul write that letter to the Galatians? Why did he write that letter to the, to the Corinthians? And if you read the whole thing in one sitting, you get a lot better feel than... than um, than if you, you know, just read one verse at a time or even one chapter at a time uh, because the whole thing was written and intended to be read all at one time. And so, of course, what, what we do is we spend more time and our goal is to study uh, the material here. And so we do get some background as we study these new books. Uh, but we're here in Philippians chapter uh, 3, and we got down to uh, these verses starting in verse 10 about knowing the Lord uh, and about forgetting those things which lie behind and pressing toward the, toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in verse 14 in Christ Jesus. And so um, Paul said that, that he presses toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. And so we talked uh, a couple of weeks ago about that there's a, there's a prize, right? The prize just means there's, there's value, there's some benefit, uh, that there's some goal at the, at the end of our, of our work that there's a, a value and a reward that the Lord provides to us for doing what he's asked us to do, doing the things that he's called us to, to do. Um, and so we shouldn't labor in vain. We shouldn't labor in, uh, a, a, without having an expectation that, that there's value in us doing the labor of the, of the Lord, right? Whatever that labor is. And when I say labor, I, you know, we're not talking about digging ditches and, you know, building uh, bridges and those types of things. Uh, it's, you know, in fact, the, Lord, the Word of God talks about uh, ministers, especially who labor in the Word of God in prayer. Um, and so, you know, there's labor in that, but it's not really hard labor. I mean, we've all done hard labor. Uh, this is labor of reading and labor of prayer, labor, labor of, of uh, uh, I think the biggest amount of labor is when you read the Word of God and you find something in the Word that contradicts something you're doing in your life, right? Whatever it is, it's your thought life or your words or your actions or anything about your personal life. As you read the Word of God, uh, oftentimes you'll come across things that are that are 
contradictory to what you think or believe or know or act or say or uh, whatever, whatever the thing is. And then at that point, you have to make a decision. What do I do now? What do I do having read this verse to, you know, love your enemies? Well, Lord, you know, I really don't want to do that, you know. I mean, I can love my neighbors, you know, I mean, because I like all my neighbors, right? But love your enemies, that's, you know, that's, that's, uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that. And, well, then there's a conflict, right? And, and um, anybody ever had a conflict from the Word of God? And you get there and, and you have to decide, right? You know, and in fact, I was just meditating on that, uh, well, maybe even today about, uh, you know, with, with all of the confusion that's going on in, and uh, we have talked about this before, but, um, but you know, all the confusion that's going on in our society about people, you know, it's like there's a, a contagion of, of things like transgenderism, right? It's like, who's ever heard of it, you know, 50 years ago, 20 years ago even, you know? I mean, people would do those in closed doors and you don't ever hear about them and, you know, people whisper about them because they, they all thought they were crazy and they could never get like a security clearance because, you know, they're, they're crazy, right? I mean, you would give somebody like that a security clearance. Then now it's openly uh, celebrated and they want your children too, right? And so it's just, uh, but, but uh, they talk about all the mental health issues that go along with that. And of course, they tell you that if you will allow them to, to do things like transitioning, that it will be better for their mental health, which, you know, the, the, the value of us understanding the Word of God is that's a complete 100% uh, not true, right? It's a complete lie because all of us are spirit beings, amen? Every human being on the earth is a spirit being. And that spirit, according to the book of Hebrews, was created by God. And that spirit will always long for God. Uh, and hopefully, you know, I know even in my case, as uh, even as young, you know, first or second grade, I, I, I remember praying to the Lord, talking to the Lord. I didn't know the Lord. I didn't know who he was, but I, I knew he I knew he existed. And there is uh, in my heart, there was a desire to know him. And I didn't know how to know him. I didn't know where to know him. We didn't go to church and it even went to church. We were Catholics. And so, you know, uh, probably back then they still held the masses in Latin, I imagine. But, you know, so that wouldn't wouldn't be super helpful to a to a you know, six year old. Uh, and so, but I spent a lot of time talking to him, pr uh, praying, you know, uh, to him. When I say praying to him, it wasn't like, you know, prayer like we would think of traditional prayer, just talking to the Lord, which is a form of prayer. Uh, and so, but I longed to know him. And, uh, and not knowing how to find him, you know, I didn't, I didn't ask him to find him because I didn't know that was a, you could do that and you could ask the Lord for things. I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, but... Uh, the Lord knew my heart, and, and we moved from New Hampshire up north down to Tennessee, and um, the Lord orchestrated that because when my, my, when my dad asked us if we wanted to move to Tennessee, I was really excited because I knew everybody in Tennessee went to church because we watched the Waltons, and you know, and, and everybody in the South was the Waltons, right? It didn't matter that they were actually in what, North Carolina or somewhere, but but uh, everybody in the South was poor like the Waltons, didn't wear shoes like the Waltons, and had big families, and you know, uh, lived in, in uh, kind of rundown shacks out in the middle of nowhere, and that's the, everybody in Tennessee was obviously like that because that's what the TV said, and, but they went to church. And I thought, well, I could, if, if we move to Tennessee, I'll get to go to church. And that's really all I thought, I'll get to go to church. Uh, and so, uh, so we, we moved because, you know, because a, by that time, I was 12 years old, so, you know, I've been talking to the Lord for years now uh, by that time. And so, um, so we, moved, we moved to Tennessee because the Lord 
uh, knew my heart, knew, knew my desire, and he orchestrated that a 12-year-old uh, boy would get to move to Tennessee to have an opportunity to go to church. Because, you know, and growing up, I don't even remember seeing a church. I mean, we went to, you know, like my sister got married, we went to a, to a Catholic church in a, in a town somewhere else, not, not where we were at. Uh, so, but I don't remember, you know, we, of course, we lived in a really small town. Uh, in fact, the town was called Ware, so, you know, that's where it was. It was, you know, where is it? Uh, and I don't remember seeing a church. But then you went to Tennessee, and you could throw a rock, and, and three preachers will scream, right? And so, so there's churches everywhere here. So, you know, the Lord, the Lord orchestrated, orchestrated that because my spirit man desired to know him. The spirit man that the 1 John 1, 9 says that, that uh, not 1 John, but uh, the Gospel of John 1, 9 says that he lights every man that cometh into the world. So he turns that light of life, that eternal life on in the, chi- in the children. And every child that comes into the earth is that way. And so they, they will all long for God. And except for the sin nature that's in direct conflict with that spirit man, the sin nature was always try to strive to get them to go the opposite direction. And, and for the most part, it, it's very successful. It will get every child to eventually uh, go through the age of accountability and rebel against the, the laws of God. And then the, at that point, from that point on, that child will have to get born again. But even if they, even if, if, uh, they go through the age of accountability, and uh, Paul said that I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. In Romans chapter 7, he talks about that. And when, he's talking, when he says he died, he doesn't mean he died physically. He means that his spirit man, the life of God that was in his spirit man as a child, uh, was gone. And he's still alive spiritually in a sense that his spirit was still there. He was still alive physically, but he no longer had the eternal life in him from God, and now he needs to get born again. Every person will go through that same process. But even, even a person who's not born again, they are still a spirit being. Their spirit resides in the realm of the spirit, where God resides, and they will still long for that God. Um, and what, what happens is humanity will allow their flesh and their mind to rise up and override and overrule their spirit man to the point that their spirit man, the Bible calls it, says that your conscience is seared. In other words, that, that, that you have suppressed your spirit man enough to where you no longer hear its voice. And you only hear the voice of your flesh, you hear the voice of your, of your, of your own mind, the voice of, of people who are trying to get you to do Ill, uh, Ill things in the earth. But see, uh, even if they decide to go down that path of complete and total nonsense and insanity of transgenderism and you know homosexuality whatever it is their spirit's still there their spirit still longs for god that's why there's a conflict that's why there's so much mental health issues because their mind is saying i want to do these terrible things but their spirit spirit man even if it's not born again says i want to know the lord i desire to know the lord and so that conflict will remain in them until they they choose to follow god and and the the more the, the more that you choose to follow the Lord, the, the more sound your mind will be because your mind will be renewed and lined up with the Word of God, lined up with your spirit man, so there's no conflict. That's the ideal state of the Christian. That's the ideal state of every, hum, every human being. And so all these people that are doing these things, they will struggle with mental health all their days because they, they, there's a conflict. They will always have, if nobody in, in the whole world ever told them what they were doing was wrong, their spirit man would still tell them what they're doing is wrong. And they'll, they will suppress that as to the best of their ability. Even if it's not born again, it still originally was made by God. Uh, and, you know, even though it was made by God, if they choose to 
stay in rebellion all the days of their life and end this natural life without having accepted the Lord Jesus, they will then spend the, the eternity in the region of the damned in hell, you know, having missed the opportunity to follow what their spirit has longed for all of their life. And so uh, if we can understand that as, as the church, see, that makes it really easy to help people because uh, their spirit man still longs for God. And, and all they have done is allowed their flesh to rise up and to run their life. Uh, and so uh, the Lord has decided that that person, as much as they have accepted and, and pursued all of these sinful things, the Lord still died for them and shed blood for them. Amen. He longs to, to, for them to be in his family. Uh, and so, yeah, it's insane. It's crazy. I mean, it's, I mean, it's just walking around since it's like dumbest thing you ever thought. You know, you're a boy, but now you're a girl. Or, I mean, that's... I mean, that's it's so dumb, right? I mean, it's like, you know, 10 years ago, you look at them and you go, well, you know, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. They go, oh, no. Nowadays, like, it's not. It's, it's you know, that's just, you know, that's how I feel. And, uh, and, and you know, people get fighting mad, spitting mad over it. But, but the issue is there's always going to be that conflict. If there was never, if, if there was never a single Christian telling them what they're, what they're doing is wrong, their spirit man would still tell them what they're doing is wrong. Uh, and so, uh, so, the, and they, so they will struggle with that. So they, what, the, what they do is they give them drugs uh, to, to quiet that voice of their conscience so they can't hear that voice of their conscience so they continue to allow their flesh to run their life. Uh, and so it's a, it's a terrible situation there. Uh, and our job, uh, you know, if you want to know how to pray for, for folks like that, you pray Ephesians 1 prayer primarily that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. See if they could see clearly Amen. Because Second uh, uh, Corinthians four four said that the God of this world has blinded their minds, so they can't see. Right? They can't see clearly, and so they're they're making making decisions based upon uh, inaccurate things, things that they think are are correct, but their vision is so short sighted and so blurred that they can't see the truth of what they're doing, and so they follow it as whatever they can as best they can, uh, and so our job is to pray, Lord, let them see. Let them see uh, the truth, amen, uh, that the eyes of their understanding is enlightened, so uh, that, the, that, uh, that you're the only way, amen? And so, you know, these things are not difficult to understand, and, uh, and yet in the church, you know, forget the world for just a minute, the church seems to struggle with some of these things about, well, we should accept these things, you know, we should be, we should be, um, uh, what, what's the word, the... the Tolerant, yeah, we should be tolerant of people's ideas and things, and uh, and um, uh, I mean, I'm not going to shoot anybody in the kneecap, but you know, uh, it, it's just wrong. And, and but the thing that we have to guard against is is not to allow bitterness to rise up in our hearts when we see the error, and we get bitter towards them because of their error. I mean, Jesus, you know, remember the Bible said that God so loved the world that He gave His Son. Well, He loved the world. The Bible says when we were yet enemies. And he looked at the whole world and says, yeah, I'm willing to, to go down there and, and save them and shed blood for them. Uh, if we can keep, a, keep that eye on, on the work of the Lord Jesus, it's, you know, I mean, I know it's, it's crazy and insane, and, but I could talk to somebody that's involved in that and say, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, but there'd be no ill will in my heart towards them. Yeah, I can tell somebody the truth about it. Well, that's dumb without getting mad at them. Amen. A lot of Christians have a hard time not getting mad at people who have followed the devil. It's like, well, they're sinners. What, what else are they going to do? That's, that's all they know. Amen? So uh, let's, let's stay the course, and let's make sure that we understand how these things operate. If we understand 
how the mind and spirit and the, and, and the flesh work, then we can help people and, and get them to understand that when they say, I want to do this, you know, really what they're saying is my flesh wants to do this because the spirit man always wants, to, always wants God, always longs for God, amen? In fact, Romans chapter one says that even nature declares us a God. And so everybody is without excuse because if you just look outside and look at a tree, you know, you, how amazing a tree is, that would tell you that there's a God, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so we want to press toward the mark, amen? So there's effort involved in that. There's effort in us. If we're going to press towards the mark, the mark is what the Lord has set in your life, right? What mark has he set in your life? Word, that word uh, uh, mark there is a goal, right? What, what is the goal or the mark or the destination the Lord has set for you? And so whatever that destination is, you know, that's between you and the Lord. Uh, you know, if maybe you're a door greeter and that's your job for the rest of your life, well, that's fine. Then be a great door greeter, amen? Uh, and press toward the mark to be the best at that that you can be. Because there's effort involved. Pressing towards the mark implies that there's effort on your part. It's not just the Lord's going to do all the work. He's already done all the work he's going to do. He's given you his spirit. He's given you his word. He's given you his church. Uh, he's given you the fivefold ministry gifts. He's given you all of these uh, uh, tools and abilities to uh, be successful. He's given you his grace. Uh, he's given you all of these things to be successful, but it's still up to us to take those tools, take that power, take that ability, and apply it to our lives to be successful. Right? Amen? And so that's, that's work. Uh, and it's only work because your, your own heart is, is in conflict. Your flesh wants to not do those things. Your mind sometimes doesn't want to do those things. Your spirit man does want to do those things. And so the work is overcoming that and making sure that your spirit man stays uh, in the leadership role of your life. So we press toward the mark for the prize. There's value in serving the Lord of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I like the way he phrases that, the high calling. You know, everything that you're called to do is a high calling. You should never disparage whatever you're called to do. You know, I ran sound for 20 years. I never said, I'm just a sound man. Uh, if, you're, if you're a sound man, that's not, that's not a menial task. That's a, if that's the Lord, what the Lord's assigned to you, then that's a high calling. Amen. If you're a deacon, uh, then, then that's a high calling. Amen. If you're just the, you know, the whatever person, uh, if you're the door greeter or you know, the person who picks up the scraps of paper on the floor, uh, if that's what you do, then, then that's a high calling. You should never disparage whatever the Lord's called you to do. Uh, uh, and so, you know, a lot of times the, the ministry gets... You know, the ministry gifts get a lot of glory, not that we're seeking glory, but they get a lot of attention in those things. Uh, and people think, well, that's, that's an important role. Well, every role that the Lord has called us to is an important role. Amen. Because what if, what if nobody ever cleaned the bathrooms? What if nobody ever uh, paid for the electricity? What if nobody ever painted the walls or fluffed up your chairs? You know, we fluff up all these chairs every week, right? We make sure they're all, we, we really don't do that. But, uh, you know, but uh, just think how much better if we would do that, right? Uh, and so... What's that? Yeah, yeah. Um, but whatever you're called to, it's a high calling. It's valuable to the, to the Lord. Amen? Don't ever diminish whatever you're called to do. And people say, well, I'm just in the helps ministry. I just help, you know, whenever things need to get done in the church. Well, what if, what if you didn't do that? What if you weren't there to help? Then that often means you know, that the pa it falls to the pastor. And, and so what is he not doing that, that he has to do something else for, right? So what is he not studying because he has to go out and do, you know, paint the church or, you know, uh, fix something? Uh, what, what is he not praying about while he's cleaning the floors or cleaning, you know, a lot of 
churches believe that the pastor should be doing all the cleaning in the church and painting in the church and those things. And, and I don't see that in the Word of God and, and because if, if you do that, you will become very natural, naturally minded, right? You'll be focused only on the, all the natural things of the church and you'll forget the spiritual things of the church. So uh, all of us are called with a calling and all of our callings are high callings. They're valuable to the Lord, amen? Uh, and so don't ever diminish whatever you're called to. Don't ever, don't ever say, I'm just, and then say whatever, whatever you're called to do, amen? Don't ever, don't ever say that because you're diminishing that which the Lord has, has set before the foundation of the world. And then he, then he uh, uh, changes gears just a little bit here in verse 15. He says, let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And being thus minded is all these things that he's really talking about from verse 10 to 14. Uh, forgetting those things which lie behind, pressing toward the, the prize of the high calling. Uh, let, us, let us be thus minded. Let's, let's all think the same way. You know, it's perfectly fine for us from a biblical standpoint to think the same way. We should think the same way from a biblical doctrinal standpoint. Um, and, and we will never be there, but we should strive for unity in doctrine. Amen. We don't have to be unity in how we look or, or act or dress or, you know, some people like to dress certain ways. Some people like to have hair a certain way. Some people like to, you know, whatever. Some people, you know, like one kind of car. Some people like, I mean, some people, you know, some people like uh, Mac computers. Some people like Windows computers. Some like iPhones. Some people like Androids. I mean, who cares, right? I mean, you, you do whatever you want to. I'll still make fun of you if you pick the wrong thing. But, you know, that's fine. Uh, I mean, if, uh, if you don't know any better, I will make fun of you. But I don't care, right? I mean, uh, I, I really couldn't care less. Uh, you know, if you pick the wrong computer, you know, I will make fun of you, but, but I don't care. You know, uh, I know some people, you know, think if you drive the wrong kind of car, they'll make fun of you. Yeah, but it doesn't matter to me, right? And so uh, it's, uh, th those things are unimportant, amen? But doctrine is important. What the Word of God says is important. And, and a, lot of, a lot of times people, you'll read a verse and people say, I don't, I don't see it that way. It doesn't matter whether you see it that way or not. If it's that way, it's that way. It doesn't matter if you don't want it to be that way. And that's really what they're saying is, I don't want it to be that way. You know, uh, we've talked many times here about uh, how many people in a church has the Lord, uh, does the Lord intend and desire to be Pentecostal? In other words, filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. How, how many people in a church does the Lord want to be like that? Everyone, right? There's, there's no, there was never supposed to be a Pentecostal church of the crazy people and then the normal sane people over here, right? Everybody was, and then you tell, well, I don't see it that way. You know, we were, uh, we were talking about this at work one day, and, and uh, you know, they were, all, they were all Christians talking about these things. And sometimes they knew I was Pentecostal and I spoke with other tongues. And, and so uh, there was like three of us talking and we're engineers, you know, so we talk about weird things all the time. And so, but they get, we get talking about that. And they said, well, and one of them actually said these words. He said, I know it's in the Bible. He said, but it's just not for me. Now, you think about those words, he will have to stand before the Lord Jesus someday. And the Lord Jesus will, will be like, now you said that you, it's in the Bible, right? Yeah. Do you know where it's at in the Bible? Well, you know, it's over in that area, right? Well, it's in, you know, it's the book of Acts primarily, right? Acts chapter 2. I mean, we can go through a whole bunch of scriptures we're not, going, we're not going to, but you start in Acts chapter 2, and of course you go to the promises that Jesus talked about in John chapter 7 and Luke 24 and, you know, all the different examples in the book of Acts. Uh, and, you know, he could take you to all those places. Now you're going to stand before the Lord Jesus and say, you know, it's in the Bible. 
and, and, and so he, you know, he'll set you up, right? Because he'll, he always set people up in the, in the Word of God. He asks them just the right questions, right? Well, let me ask you a question. Uh, and so, and of course, they're like, well, you know, what's the right answer? Sometimes, you know, they thought, well, if I answer this way is, you know, uh, remember, was John, was John uh, from God or not? Well, if we answer this way, you know, uh, uh, people are going to get mad at us. If we answer that way, you know, other people are going to get mad at us. So, well, we don't know. Well, it it's not that they didn't know. They knew the answer. They just don't want to say the answer. Uh, and so uh, he's going to say, well, you, you knew it was in the Word, yeah. But you decided it wasn't for you. Could, you. could you back up a little bit and explain to me why you decided it's not for you? Even I decided it was for you, but you decided it wasn't for you. Well, Lord, you know, they're kind of weird people. Yeah, and they roll around on the ground sometimes, you know, and they run around churches sometimes, and, and they, they say funny words, and that makes me really uncomfortable. Is that right? So you're saying that, that, uh, that, that I'm the one who gave you that gift of the Holy Spirit, but that gift uh, wasn't done according to your uh, approval. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying, Lord. No, you wouldn't say that, right? <laughs> you wouldn't say, yeah, Lord, you're right. It, was, it didn't mean my approval. Next time when you want to send the Holy Spirit, if you could, if you, could you know, uh, let me review your plan prior, prior to you doing that, that'd be great. Uh, nobody's going to say that, right? And yet people say those things. It's not for me. Uh, I've had people, you know, say, well, you know, running around the church, it's, it's, not, it's not my style. You know, I, I don't do those things. Uh, and, uh, and, the, and the thing we have to be careful about is, uh, uh, the, Lord, the Lord started showing me this years ago is what we all do as human beings is we start making laws for ourselves, uh, and 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 the the purpose of, of creating a law is to tell the Lord, Lord, I've decided this is the way it is, and I don't want you to to tell me anything about this area of my life from now on, because I made a law. I made a law that the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues is not for me. This is not for me. And you know what the Lord will do? He will never bring it up again. And then when you complain to him about why your life is so hard or difficult or whatever, he'll be like, well, I, I gave you this great thing over here called the Holy Spirit, but you said it wasn't for you, so you know, I didn't bother you with that. You know, now you've had to suffer in your life less power than you should have. Uh, and so we, we make laws, and the, and the laws will always constrain the ability of the Lord to work in our life. And people make laws all the time. You know, uh, a friend. I always gave a hard time because friend, my friend of mine, he, he was, uh, I, maybe he's still my friend, I don't know, but um, his, wife, his wife loved eating breakfast, you know, sometimes even for supper sometimes, you know, which is like, wow, really? We call it night breakfast in my house. We love night breakfast, right? Uh, breakfast at night, you know, pancakes, some bacon, you know, waffles at nighttime, you know. Uh, you know, there's no, actually no international law against that, right? I mean, there's no pancakes don't evaporate at, at uh, 11 a.m., right? I mean, you can eat a pancake at 5 p.m. and it's still, it's still pancake, right? Well, I don't eat, I, he's, I don't eat breakfast food for, for supper. Well, that's a law, right? That's a law. A and the problem is his wife loves it, though. He said, but from his perspective, I will never allow you to do this, wife, because I made a law and we follow the law. Which is dumb, right? I mean, it's, it's, and, I, and he told me that one time. I said, the dumbest thing I've ever heard. There's no law. There's no law about, about breakfast food. Uh, but how many laws have we made, right? Anybody ever done anything wrong to you, right? Uh, uh, you ever loaned anybody some money and they didn't pay it back? I'm never loaning anybody anything ever again. So what have you done? You made a law. Is there any book, chapter, verses, thou shalt never loan to anybody? 
Well, in fact, actually, the Old Testament says, thou shalt uh, lend to the nations and not borrow. It's actually what the Old Covenant says, right? That he will prosper so much that we have the ability to lend to the nations and not have to borrow. Uh, but if you say, I don't lend to the nations, then you're saying, I, I know you said I would do that, Lord, but I'm not going to do that. He said, but yeah, I wanted to prosper you so you could do that. Yeah, but I'm not going to do that, Lord. So then should I prosper somebody else? See, you should, uh, in, in my life, I can't tell you how many times the Lord has rebuked me because I've made a law. I don't do that. I don't do these things. I don't say those things. I don't go there. I don't go there. You know, I don't, some things, you know, obviously are, you know, if they're spiritual uh, things that we don't, we shouldn't do, right? Uh, I mean, you know, there are some laws that are, that are following the word of God, right? Like I don't cuss. Well, that's a law in my life in a sense because the word of God says don't have, you know, corrupt communications and, and different things like that. So, I mean, there's some, obviously some things like that. So I'm not talking about sin that you're, that you're free to do whatever you want to. But things that are not sin, like eating a pancake, is that a sin? Some people would call it sin. You know, I, I brought a box of donuts one time to one of the meetings, you know, and sometimes you get in the corporate world, everybody's all gluten-free and all this stuff, and you can't, you know, they, they, you thought I brought the plague, and like, it's a donut? Oh, we don't eat donuts. Like, it's a donut. I mean, and so I took them all home, ate them all, you know, it's like, thanks, more for me. But, but you know, some people are just weird about stuff. But, uh, but what laws have you made in your life? What laws have you constrained to put in your life that says, I don't do that? You know, uh, it's just, uh, that's between you and the Lord, of course. But if you want to live to the freest, right, where your spirit man is 100% in charge of your life, you will find that there's all kinds of things that you say that you won't do that the Lord will say, I never told you not to do that. I never told you you should never do that. That's not anywhere in my word. I've not made that, I've not put that constraint in your life that you shouldn't do those things, right? Uh, there's a lot of things that we say, well, that's just not, that's just not my personality. Well, I mean, but what's that got to do with anything? Your personality was perfect when you were born, and you've managed to mess it up as best you can all your life, amen? And if you get back, if you get back to a, a free spirit, to where you're supposed to be, see, uh, a lot of times our, our personalities have the, have, uh, the hint of how the Lord created us, because he created us as unique beings, but we've managed to corrupt those personalities, and we say, well, that's just who, the way I am. Well, that's the way you are right now. That's not the way you were when you came out of the womb. And if you could fix those, those things in your mind about how you think, you would go back to how the Lord originally created you to be. You know, uh, the Lord, uh, I, you know, I tell my kids all the time, you know, you're too young to be in a rut. No, I don't do that. Well, you're too young to be in a rut. You know, be in a rut when you're like 80, right? Then you can say, I don't do that. Okay, well, you're 80, you know. You can be ornery when you're 80, right? But between now and then, don't be so ornery, you know. Live a little. Try some things, amen? And so, I know we went on a mission trip one time. And, you know, some of the folks there, they had never been out of town. I mean, they spent all their life in that town, never went out of town, never did anything, never traveled. And that's fine, right? I mean, you don't have to travel or anything. But we got out of town. And we, I mean, we were driving to Mexico, and so, you know, it's like an 80-day trip or something just to get there, uh, and we were in this van, and, and so and we stopped at the first restaurant, and it was, it was kind of a standard, uh, you know, American food kind of steak place, and, uh, and, and, but it had, it had like a thousand pages on the, on the menu, right? You can get all kinds of food, and he's just getting madder. Every page he flips, he was just getting madder. I just want meat and potatoes. Just meat and potatoes. I just want meat. And so, well, there's no law. It's okay, you know. I'm not a big fan of certain kinds of food, but, you know, I'm not going to, if we, we went to a, a, 
a seafood restaurant the other day. Not a big fan, you know, personally. Not a, some people, oh, I love it, you know. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, now, Jared is mostly like me, except for he'll, he'll eat some seafood because Chris lied to him growing up, you know. It's, it's, yeah, that's chicken, you know. Actually, didn't realize. He said it was chicken, and so she never corrected him, right? Uh, see, if I told him that's gross fish, you know, then he'd be like, oh, I'm not eating that. And so I, I never did correct him on that. So, so now he still, he likes that kind of fish there. Uh, and so, you know, there's nothing wrong with uh, if you try it and you don't like it. You know, that's fine. Amen. But you shouldn't make a law, law about things. You know, I'm never trying anything or never doing anything. Um, because you've got to be careful that you will constrain the ability of the Lord to use you in this life. You should, you should have an open heart and a free heart to the Lord to do whatever he needs you to do to be a humble servant of the Lord, to be a, a vessel, meet for the master's use, available for the master to use you. And you say, well, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't do those things, you know. Uh, okay, fine, right? Uh, and so then, then that means that you've made a law. Uh, and so, so we need to be thus minded, right? We need to, to follow the doctrine of whatever the Lord says and when that doctrine is in conflict with our general philosophy of life, we should change our general philosophy of life to line up with the Word of God and not be so ornery about things and, uh, and, and not be so touchy about things. You know, I, I know uh, a minister that my pastor was traveling with some time, they, they got to the airport to meet up and they were going to share a rental car and he was just going to go get a car. And the guy's like, oh no, we have to have at least a Cadillac, you know, minimum. Uh, if we can get it, we need to have a Lexus. You know, I can't be seen in a Chevy. Of course, some of you would be like, oh, yeah, Chevy, that would be worse, right? Um, but see, uh, for him, it, it, you know, it was, it was a law. He made a law, I don't, I don't drive a Chevys. Really? I mean, I mean, really? You know, I mean, it's just, look, uh, if you would prefer to have a luxury vehicle, that's fine, right? But if there's not one available, you, you can't, you know, if it's the end of the world because uh, the Lexus isn't available, then that's a problem, right? Well, I can't be, I can't, because his, his concern was he would be seen in a Chevy, and that would somehow mar his reputation. You know, we get some amens in the background, well, yeah, yeah, I would never talk to anybody who drives a Chevy anyway, right? Uh, and so, and look, I don't care, right? I mean, uh, and I drive a nice car, right? I like, I like a nice car. But, I mean, I've got an old beater truck, too, right? I'll drive around that thing and, and um, trying to work on my farmer's tan and putting my elbow out there, but all I get is this little pink on my elbow is all I get. Uh, and so um, are we going to be thus-minded? Or do we have the capacity to be thus-minded? See, thus-minded, what you think, right? You should think the way the Word thinks. Uh, and if you could think like the Word thinks, first of all, about yourself. You're a child of the Most High God. See, you should think that about yourself. God loves me. He died for me. Uh, there's no place for people to have low self-esteem as a child of God. There's no, you know, I'm, I'm worthless. I'm no value. Nobody can love me. That's blah, 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 blah. That is so all completely untrue. Amen? And of course, some people, they just, I just feel lost. I've got to find myself. Be thus-minded. Uh, if, you're, if you're thus-minded, you know what your calling is. You know what, what the Lord's called you to do. And you press towards that mark, amen. Uh, and then, and then, of course, um, I like. Uh, uh, well, I want to read the one, this one translation here about verse fifteen. We'll, we'll see what Paul said here. He, uh, verse fifteen, another translation says, "Those of us who are mature." So he said, "Let us therefore, as many, be perfect." In the King James, 
that word perfect uh, from one tr another translation says those of, of you who are mature should think like this. So that, that's one indication of where you are spiritually. If you've got the squirreliest thought life about things, then that shows your level of maturity with the Lord. Because the more mature you are with the Lord, the, the, the calmer your thought life is, the more stable your thought life is. And if somebody comes and says, you're the worst person in the world. Uh, you know, I've had people try to tell me those things. And my thought life be like, no, I'm a child of God. You know, uh, but some people are like, I think said I'm the worst person in the world. I just, my own thing, I can't go on today. And I don't, I don't look forward to that. I don't enjoy being told those things. But I know who I am. I know God loves me. It doesn't make me special, uh, except for that if God loves me, that makes me special. I mean, why would a God love someone like me? Because he loves all of us, amen? And so, see, I can be, uh, I, I should, it says, those of you who are mature should think like this. So what should you think about letting let those things that are behind go on, right? Uh, press toward the mark. Uh, and if you think differently about it, God will reveal this to you as well. Uh, and so, of course, if you remember in chapter 2, we had, he had said something very similar to that. In verse 5, he said, let, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he talked about what the mind was in Jesus, about who being the form of God thought of not robbery to be equal with God. In other words, he was a great servant. Uh, and so he let this mind be in you. Uh, and so if you, if you think about, um, we're in Philippians chapter 4 there, or chapter 3, turn, turn over to... Uh, to Ephesians chapter 1 real quick here. <clears throat> we had talked about this verse earlier, but uh, that's, that's not the exact point I want to get to until uh, we get to the end of that. But let's start in verse 17. It says, this is the prayer that I talked about earlier. So this is a good prayer. Paul prayed this for Christians, so it's a good prayer to pray for Christians. It's a good prayer to pray for yourself. It's a good prayer to pray for those uh, that are doing fine, but it's also a good prayer to pray for those who are not doing fine. Uh, and he says, uh, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Well, that's something that you can be given to. You can be given a knowledge and revelation of the Lord. Uh, in other words, so revelation is just revealed knowledge, knowledge that you didn't, you didn't get on your, own, uh, on your own accord, by your own works, by your own intelligence. It's knowledge that comes from heaven. Revelation knowledge about who the Lord is. Revelation in the knowledge of Him. So you know the Lord. See, for me, I know the Lord. You know, I don't know everything about the Lord, but I know the Lord. If somebody says something about the Lord, so, you know, well, the Lord put that cancer in me. There's no way He'd do that. Well, why, how can you be so sure? Because I know Him. So you have the revelation of Him in my heart. It's founded in the Word of God, but, it, but still, I mean, the Word of God is just printed words until you get the revelation of what the Word says in your life. So if, if you know, the, the Bible says many times that Christ is our healer. Well, do you know that to be so? I don't know, you know. Well, see, if you had the revelation, you'd, oh, 100%. If you had the revelation of who he was, 100% he's the healer. He's never not the healer. He's always the healer. He always wants to heal. The easiest thing in the world for me to believe that he's our healer. Not, not even hard for me to believe it. So I really struggle with healing. Well, then you don't know him. You need revelation in the, in the knowledge of him. If you get the revelation that he's Jehovah Rapha, the healer, it's easy to believe in the healer. So that's it. So, Maybe you could pray that prayer for yourself, right? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And, uh, of course, we're not going to I mean, we could go all kinds of rabbit paths. If you go back to uh, Matthew 13, it talks about this, the sower of the word. It says one of the problems is they didn't have understanding. 
Uh, and if you remember, the, the, the uh, centurion from Matthew chapter 8, he understood how authority worked. And Jesus said, this man has great faith. So the eyes of your understanding should be enlightened. You should be able to look at the Word of God, understand how these things work, understand spirit realm, understand the natural realm, understand why the Lord sent the Lord Jesus the way He did, why the virgin birth was necessary. You don't have to understand everything there is to know about these things, obviously, but you should have a good, solid understanding in the basics of Christianity. And when I say basics of Christianity, I'm talking about how, how the spirit realm works, you know, how the, Lord, the name of, the, of Jesus works. And, you know, those are the basics, right? If you go to, to Hebrews chapter 6, it talks about the fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ. Uh, that's, some people think that's, that's advanced doctrine. It's not advanced. He calls it the fundamentals of the doctrine of Christ. Uh, and he says uh, that you may know what is the hope of your calling. So we talked about that earlier, right, from Philippians chapter 3 about pressed toward the mark of the high calling, the prize of the high calling. Well, there should be hope in that. Amen. There should, you should never go through life where it's just hopeless. There's so many, even Christians are hopeless. How could you be hopeless? Jesus is on your side. The Spirit of God lives in you. He, he has developed the Word of God for your benefit and protected it through centuries of... You, you, you just think about what, what, what knowledge has been lost to history. Right? What, what did, for example, the Egyptians know that we didn't know? How, how did they build the pyramids? Oh, we know. We don't really know. You, know, you, ever, you, you ever gone to the pyramids? I've never been to the pyramids, but we've been to like Peru. You go to Peru... And got these giant stone walls as high as this room in here, and, and you know stones that are tens of thousands of pounds, probably thousands of tons, and and you can't get a piece of paper through them. That's how accurate these cuts on these stone, the stone, and it fits like a jigsaw puzzle, right? It's not just square. It's it's these like twelve-sided shapes that they cut to so so precise that even a piece of paper can't fit through them. And, you know, I've got, a, I've got a DeWalt saw. I can't get that kind of cut on a saw. And I cut it, it's like, okay, it's going to be perfect. And it's like, it's a one degree. It's like, well, it's, you know, you measure it six times, it is still a degree off. Yeah. Well, they've they got this 12-ton rock, hundreds of them, thousands of them, all perfectly lined. Well, how'd they do that? We have no idea. It's lost to history, right? Well, it's aliens. I don't know. I mean, it's not, you, you say whatever you want to. You don't know. You weren't there. I'm pretty sure it was aliens. You don't you know, people just, that's your first go-to is aliens, you know? I mean, with all the angels that are around you, it was aliens, right? And so, anyway, you probably do need the eyes of your understanding enlightened. Uh, but there should be a hope. Uh, there should be a hope uh, of, uh, of the calling, all right? You should never go through life and just, it's just hopeless. And, and a lot of people are hopeless, amen? And, and it's one of the saddest things for a child of God, especially, to be hopeless. You're on your way to heaven. How bad could it possibly be? And he said you can have days of heaven upon the earth. Didn't he say that? Yes. So you, you have a right to, to live a, a life full of hope, amen, because he gave you this hope. And so, uh, so you should have uh, a hope of your calling and that uh, you would know what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints is. So an inheritance is... is uh, obtained when somebody else dies, right? That's the general principle. Well, who died that we know of? That's really important. Well, the Lord Jesus died, right? Well, if he died, then we get his stuff. Well, what stuff did he have? Everything. Is he not the creator of the universe? Did he say that the earth is, is his and the fullness thereof? 
So is, that, is it not true that we have his inheritance? Well, it says right there that we, that we have the glory, uh, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And wars are fought in the church of, you know, you can't have too much, you know. Jesus died. We get his stuff. Where was he before he came to the earth? Walking on streets of gold. Well, isn't that now, doesn't that not, not belong to us now? It belongs to us because it's part of our inheritance. Uh, I mean, all you need is, you, can I just get one, one brick? You know, I just want a brick, you know. Okay, fine, but if the whole thing is yours. Well, I just, Lord, I just want just one brick, you know. Uh, so, so fake, you know. So the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So we have an inheritance. It, it's what, what realms exist in, in the universe? you got the natural realm and the spirit realm, right? You call it the soulless realm too, but it's not quite the same thing. But you've got a natural realm and a spirit realm. Well, who created those two realms? God did, right? I mean, it's, it, he, he's the creator of all that there is. He created the natural realm. He created the spirit realm. Uh, and so uh, surely... If he wants to prosper us in one realm, he wants to prosper us in every realm. Amen? But people will say, he only wants to prosper us in the spirit realm. Well, why, why would he make that law? I'm going to create the natural realm, but that's as far as I'm going. I mean, I'm, there's all this prosperity. I'm not, I'm not helping you. I know I created it, and I know I put you in the natural realm, but I'm not helping you. Well, well then why would he do that? That doesn't make any sense. But people fight wars, so he doesn't want to prosper you that much. He says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And he said the meek shall inherit the earth. So if the earth is the Lord's, and he says the cattle on a thousand hills are his, the, the gold is his, the silver is his. Doesn't he say all these things in the word of God? And yet people fuss and fight and argue about these things. And, and, and it's, just, it's just carnality. It's just naturalism, right? It's just, all they can see is to the end of their nose and they can't see anywhere past that. They can't see that the Lord, the Lord desires for us to know what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints is. Uh, and, it, and it should be the easiest thing for the church to be prosperous uh, because if we're prosperous, we should be givers, amen? There, you really can't be a, uh, prosperous without being a giver. Uh, and so uh, then he goes on, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us? Well, that word power there is dunamis. What is the exceeding greatness of his miracle working supernatural power to usward, right? Towards us. So, so he, he is sending his power, his supernatural miracle power towards us. Well, what, what do you think he could do with supernatural miracle working power? I, I hope I can make it through that red light before it turns red. That's it. I mean, that's, I mean, I mean, that's okay. I mean, you know, because the red lights, you know, Dayton loves the red lights, right? But that's, that's all you're going to do with that power? Super, he, said, he said, exceeding greatness of his supernatural miracle work and power. Well, you know, the Lord, probably, he probably won't heal me. Well, that doesn't sound like exceeding greatness of supernatural miracle work and power. That sounds like it's turned off. That sounds like it's zero. Like there's no power. Uh, and, 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 and so remember what Paul said, we got to think, right? Those that are mature should think like this. So you should think like, I have infinite power available to me at my command. He's given it to me, and anytime I need to draw from that, it's available to me to draw from. Is that, is that what he said? The exceeding, exceeding greatness. You know, if he just said, and what is the, the supernatural miracle working power to us word? What is the dunamis? What is the power to us word who believe? That's pretty good, right? If he'd said the greatness of his power, that's, that's be a step up. 
Well, what's the exceeding greatness of his power? That's like above all that you should ask or think, amen? amen. And, and yet we have such small minds in, in the church about, well, the Lord won't help me. The Lord can't do that. You know, it's, 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 you know, uh, he, he won't do that. Uh, and we're always trying to constrain the Lord. And he's always trying to take the constraints off, right? Uh, and, and so he said, what is, and what is the exceeding greatness? Of, do you know the exceeding greatness of his supernatural miracle work and power that's towards you? Who believe? Well, that's the issue right there. Who believe? Do you believe that? I don't believe that. Well, then you're not qualified for the exceeding greatness of his power. I don't believe he heals. Well, then you're not qualified for the exceeding greatness of his power. Uh, see, I, I believe the Lord heals. Well, now you're qualified to receive the exceeding greatness of his power towards you, right? To us word, who believe. According to the working of his mighty power. And of course, he's got lots of power in here. Uh, that, word, that last word, power there, where it says mighty power, means his dominion. He's in charge. Is he in charge? Is the name of Jesus over everything? Is there any name that the name of Jesus is not above? Well, then his dominion uh, has been sent towards you. You are the top of the food chain. Amen? You know, sometimes uh, we'll be like uh, um, somewhere, like, like this friend of mine there, he's like deathly afraid of, of like wasps, right? Like stingers, things with stingers. He could eat a live tarantula, I think, but like a wasp, he just curls up in a fetal position and cries. And, uh, and, and it's just the funniest thing. It's like, we, I mean, you can go grab a, you know, uh, a, a, chase a skunk down and tackle it, no problem, right? But a, a wasp flies around and, you know, and, and you sound like a 12-year-old schoolgirl. And, and so, um, uh, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm the top of the food chain. Amen. Uh, and these things are here for my benefit. Uh, and um, uh, I was in uh, uh, one house one time and just sitting there and there's a wasp flying around and you know I don't bother them if they don't bother me uh, and um, it stung me in my thumb I said well, that's really disrespectful yeah. <laughs> and so it came to an early end of its life and uh, it disre disrespected the position that it was in amen I'm the top of the food chain and if it doesn't know that it needs to come to an early end and it did um, and if it, if it respects my position as the one with dominion in the earth, then we're good. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, according to the working of his mighty dominion, uh, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and, and I'm, I am getting somewhere, right? I was like, where are you going with it? I am getting somewhere. When he raised him from the dead uh, and set him at his own right hand in the, in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named. So is Jesus above every name that's named? Yep. And not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. So every realm, spirit realm, natural realm. And I've put all things under his feet. Man, that's great. We sure, we sure we be nice to live like that. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. So now he's talking about the, verse 23 is the church, right? The church is his body, and the church is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So we as the church, right, the whole universal church, every Christian, if you put all of us together, all of us together are equal to the Lord Jesus, right? We, we have the fullness of him. Now, individually, we're not. That's why we need each other, right? But, but collectively, as a whole church, we have just as much power in the whole church, universally in the world, as Lord Jesus himself. Because that's, he put the fullness of him in the church, as a whole, as a whole church. Amen? Uh, and so... Uh, when people say, uh, you know, I have just much power of Jesus, never true. Because 
you're one member of the body of Christ, right? The church is his body. That's what it says in verse 23. When we say the body of Christ, where do you get that from? Well, verses like this, right? That we are his body. So that means we're not the, all of him because it's, uh, are you just your body? No, you've got a head and a body. Amen. And some people don't know that. Some people are missing a head, right? And, and so they've got other problems to deal with. But, uh, but combined, we, you know, we are uh, anything that's going to get done that you're going to, you know, you're going to think of something, but if you, if you think of something to do, then it's going to be your body that executes that desire, that thought. Well, that's the way the Lord set it up. He's the head. We are his body. So, so he thinks up things that he wants done in the earth, praying for the sick, raising the dead, you know, cleansing lepers, you know, whatever it is, delivering people from the power of the enemy. He thinks it up, and then he commissions his body to go execute that thought, that desire. Well, that's the way he said it. The head of the church has set it up that way. So people say, why isn't God doing that? The question is, why aren't you doing that? It's not why isn't God doing that. God has already decided he wants to do that. If, if he said it in his word, that lay hands on a sick and they'll recover. He, he desires to do that. But until his body goes out and does those things, you know, you, you ever just sat on a couch and, wow, you know, I'm hungry. Somebody should do something. Well, you know, you just get up, right? Well, I know, but I don't want to get up. Somebody should do something, right? And, and you could just sit there and just expire on the couch desiring for, for something to be done. Uh, and, and yet that's the way the church operates. Well, God, you should do something. He did do something. He put the fullness of him into the church. Now he wants us to execute his will on the earth. We are the ones who execute his will. Whatever his will is, it will get done by the church. We will do it. And, and so well, why isn't God doing something? He is doing a lot of things mostly waiting on us to pray and to do and to pray, to lay hands and to cast out devils and whatever the things are. Well, you know, people always pushing everything into the sovereignty of God, but that just says, well, my head has to do everything. You know, uh, I'm going to drive with just my head. I'll use my hands and my feet. Just my, you get in a car and say, okay, go. And what, nothing happens. Stupid car. You know, it's not my fault. You know, it, it should do something because I wanted to do something. Yeah, but you just, you got to turn the ignition on. It's exhausting. I can't do that. And so, you know, things don't get done. And then people get kind of sometimes irate with the Lord even. You know, well, Lord, why aren't you doing that? I did do that. I put that in you to go do that. You know, I gave you the Great Commission. Now, and so, uh, back to Philippians 3.15, those of us who are mature should think like this. You should think like Ephesians chapter 1. You should think that, that you have... The, the exceeding greatness of his power towards you. You should think that, that all things that are put under his feet have been put under your feet. All things that, uh, that uh, uh, he has dominion over in this world and the world to come, you have dominion over in this world and the world to come. Uh, whatever power he has, he has invested in you. See, that's what a mature person thinks. That's what a mature Christian thinks. Amen? This, I'm defeated and it's so hard. It's like, it's like so it's why it's not that hard. You have the exceeding greatness of His power living in you right now. What 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 can you not do? It, doesn't the Word of God tell us in First John four four that greater is He that's in you than He that's what? Well, we say that we quote it by law. If you come to a charismatic church, you're required to know that verse, right? But do you do you believe the verse? It doesn't matter if you know the verse, but do you believe it? Do you believe that greater is He that's in you? You know, it's just do it again. I will succeed. You know, we need to have this attitude of, of I cannot be defeated. I cannot be overcome. 
That should be our thought life. Because if, if it's really true that the exceeding greatness of his power is toward me because I believe, uh, and, and of course, you know, the, uh, the, the rest of that verse there, according to the working of his mighty power, then uh, that mighty dominion, that authority that's in you, because of that supernatural exceeding greatness power that's in you, is why you have dominion over he that's in the world. Well, do you believe that? See, I don't just mean, yeah, I believe that. Do you believe that and you live that way? Do you, do you have that expectation when you walk into a room, I have arrived? Uh, that, that, should be, that should be your attitude, I have arrived. And not, not in an arrogant sense, that, that you, but you're carrying the power of the Most High God with you. That's the way, that's the way you should think, right? And well, well, I'm nobody. Well, we're all nobody. We're all dust. You're literally made out of dirt, right? Everything in that, that car was made out of, same thing that you're made out of. Came, everything that is in that car is made out of dirt. Everything, that chair you're sitting on came from dirt. Uh, there's not, everything in the whole world came from dirt, including you. And so, you know, you keep that balance that, well, I, I have no inherent ability, but in me, I have the exceeding greatness of his power because I believe according to the working of his mighty dominion. Yeah. And, and, and so every wasp and bug and, and fly and gnat, shut up. You do what you're supposed to. Don't be bothering me, right? I mean, that, that's, uh, I know it sounds kind of funny sometimes, but, but that's the way I think. I'm the top of the food chain. Assigned to that position by the, the Lord Jesus himself, the creator of the universe, that he put the fullness of him in the church. And so that resides in me. Uh, and so those of us who are mature should think like this. Uh, and, and I like the end of that verse, and we'll go back to verse uh, 315, Philippians 315. Uh, Paul said, be thus minded. Uh, and, and he says, and if anything, you, you uh, be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this to you. And the other translation says, if you think differently about it, God will reveal this as well. Uh, and I like that phrase because what he's saying is, look, I mean, we can have a different opinion, it's fine, but eventually God will show you that you're wrong, right? And, and so that's the way I think. You know, if you, if, you, if you have a different opinion about me than the Word of God, that's fine, no problem. Eventually God will show you that you're wrong. And so <laughs> that's what Paul said. Now, Paul said it. I'm not sure I have quite the same uh, authority to say that the way he did, but, you know, I do think that way. Because people say, well, God's not a healer. Well, you have a right to your opinion. Eventually God will show you that you're wrong, right? Uh, and so... Um, you know, if you want to think differently than I do, that's fine. Eventually you'll find out that you're wrong, and then you can straighten up. And, and, uh, and so that that's really was uh, uh, Paul's, uh, uh, well, he, he wasn't shy to say such things, right? Uh, but you think about if the church could really live this way, if we could really live in the, because he said, be thus minded, so we should all be thinking about the Word of God the same, Right? That doesn't mean we have to be the same, act the same, you know, enjoy the same food or whatever. You know, those are just personal choices, personal desires. That's part of who God made you to be, which is fine. But when it comes to doctrine, we should all think the same things. God loves us. He died for us. He shed blood for us. He desires us to be healed. He desires us to be prosperous. He desires us to have dominion over the whole world. Those things should not be controversial. And yet a lot of those statements are controversial. The name of Jesus, that's a controversial subject not a controversial subject. I mean, you know, some places, they don't even say Jesus. They, well, they'll say Christ. Oh, in Christ's name. He didn't say, he, uh, Peter didn't say, 
in, in the name of Christ, rise up and walk. He said, in the name of Jesus. He did say in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, but he did, it's in the name of Jesus. That's his name. Christ is his position and title. Amen? Uh, and so, so we should be thus minded, and we should have unity of thought as it, as it relates to the Word of God. Other than that, uh, it's, you know, well, I, I, lo- I love hunting. Great. I'm, I'm glad you love hunting, right? Some people love hunting. I never want to murder. I just, I just you know, no interest in it, right? Uh, and even fishing, you know, I used to go fishing. But like, you know, but you fish, you get, then you got to murder the fish, you got to clean the fish, you know. It's like I just, you know, and it's not that I, I care. I don't care about the fish. It's not about the me not care about the fish. I just don't like, you know, the thoughts of it. It's just kind of gross, you know. All the gizzards come out of there. You know, it's just. And some people love it. I just, you know, stab the thing. You know, I just field dress the whole thing right there. Just, I just, I didn't even shoot the deer. I just, I just snuck up behind it. And I stabbed it in the heart. Like that's great. I'm glad you like that, right? And some people like that kind of stuff. Well, that's fine. See, you don't have to be like me in that, right? Well, you're just a city, you're just city dweller. Oh, okay, that's yeah. I'm guilty as charged, right? I mean, yeah, I prefer be on a country, you know? I mean, they got to drive 50 miles just to get a, you know, a cup of water. I mean, it's like, I just, you know, some people don't, I don't like living in a neighborhood. Fine, but there's nothing wrong that I like living in a neighborhood, right? Uh, it's kind of, I, don't, I don't disparage, I, don't, I, I really don't care, right? You live where, you know, you know some people love, you know, we got pe- people love living up on a mountain, right? And you got mountain people and you got not mountain people, right? Well, I'm not a mountain person. I, I live down here, right? And some people, they're, if they live on a mountain, they're closer to God, I guess, right? And so, and it's beautiful up there. Uh, and so, uh, we, should, we should be fine with the differences of personalities and the differences of uh, personal desires and things that we enjoy. That should be fine, amen? When it comes to doctrine, we should be unified in our thoughts. And if we were unified in our thoughts towards doctrine, just think what the church could accomplish. If, see, because if you, if you, I know we got to go, but uh, if you go over to like 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, it talks about uh, we should desire spiritual gifts. Well, just think how powerful the church could be if all of us desired spiritual gifts, right? Some people are like, I don't like that. Uh, that stuff makes me nervous. Well, when, because you think that, that means that that's a hindrance to the move of God. Amen. Uh, and, and so sometimes, you know, why doesn't everything happen? Well, you know, maybe we need a bigger mirror. Amen. Uh, but see, if we're all unified, and that's what we want. We want the lost to get saved. We want the sick to get healed. We want the poor to get uh, uh, pros- prosperous. Those are all things we should all agree on. Amen. Uh, and I think for the most part we do. Uh, and I do expect to see greater and more wonderful things in the church as, as we progress in that. Uh, so, so unity of doctrine is, is, should be required and should be a goal. Amen. I understand, you know, some things, some things we don't know, you know, like where dinosaurs come from. Did Adam have a belly button? I mean, you know, there's things that, that we don't really know. And, you know, we can have some conversation about it, but you can't be too dogmatic about it because we don't have a lot of details. Amen. So that's fine. But some things we have a lot of details like healing. So many details about God wants to heal your body. That should not be a controversial subject, and yet it is. It shouldn't be, but it is, right? Same thing speaking in tongues. That should not be a controversial subject, and yet it is. Uh, and so Paul said those that are mature can be thus-minded. Amen? Those that are mature, uh, it's easy for, for mature people to get into unity uh, in doctrine. Amen? And there may be some, some differences of opinion about certain things that are unimportant, but for the most part, it should be pretty straightforward, right? Uh, you know, I mean, if you... Look at even the Pentecostals to the Baptists. We both agree 100% on the, the desire for salvation of the world. So in that area, we are mature and are thus minded, right? But then we, we do see things differently about some other things. 
Uh, and I believe that, you know, God will show them where they're wrong because they don't believe in healing. Well, they should, right? Uh, and so, so uh, verse 15 is really for the mature. Are you willing to, to when you come up against doctrine and word of God is maybe different than what you were thought yesterday, are you willing to change and yield to that new doctrine and, get, and, and align yourself and your thinking with what the word says about you and about how the Lord wants to operate in this, in this world? And see, a mature Christian, even if they don't know everything, when they come up against new doctrine like that, they go, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I see that. You know, the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened. I, I see that. Maybe I didn't see that yesterday, but, I, you know, I see that. Yeah, no problem. See, that, that should be a normal, easy part. Instead, I ain't, ain't believing that. I don't see it that way. I, or I don't believe it that way. I love that one. I don't believe it that way. What, what's... You can't spend that. There's no value in what you believe, you know. I mean, it's, it's only what the Word of God says, you know. What you're really saying is, I know that it's like that. I just don't want it to be like that. Well, that, that's more true, but that sounds, makes you look really bad if you say it like that, right? Makes you look kind of petty and, and petulant toward the Lord. Uh, but if the Lord, if the Lord is clear about, I desire for all men to be saved, well, then how many men does he want to be saved? All men. Well, I don't think they should get saved. Well, then you and the Lord are in disagreement. Amen. And yet there are people in the church, you know, there's groups of church who think that they're the only ones getting saved, right? Because they got a name, a certain name on the front of their church, only we're saved. It's just like, you really believe that? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, you know? Uh, and, and yet people, you know, I mean, they'll fight you tooth and tooth. Oh, yeah, that's so, you know? I'm like, really? That's just dumb, right? I mean, it doesn't, even fit with, it doesn't fit with any doctrine at all. It just, you know, because you put a name on it, so we could be a complete heathen church and we just, we just spray paint over our sign and suddenly we're on our way to heaven? That's awesome. It doesn't work that way, but, you know, I mean, if that's all you got to do is spray paint in front of your building and you're on your way to heaven, sweet, except that's a lie, right? And that ain't true. So let's, uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you for the kindness and goodness and mercy that you've extended towards us. And, Father, we thank you that you have placed the fullness of you in us as the church. And Father, I thank you for the exceeding greatness of your power to, uh, to, to us who believe according to your, to your mighty dominion. Father, you have placed that exceeding power in us as your church. We have the right and privilege, Father, to live with the complete dominion in our lives, Father, over every circumstance, over every enemy, every, every situation. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And Lord, we give you the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, is the Lord good? He's good. Amen. Well, let's get ready to receive uh, this evening's offering. And um, we'll forget Friday, 5 o'clock, we'll be here at the church to uh, open up the church next door for the, uh, uh, all the free yard sale stuff. If you can take advantage of any of that stuff, that's great. Uh, 7 p.m. we'll have the uh, prayer service. And then Saturday morning, 8.30, right? Uh, yeah, gentlemen, start your engines, and they'll, they'll, they'll run in there and grab all that stuff, right? Uh, and so, uh, I think people are required to come in their pajamas too, right? Just like at uh, Walmart on Black Friday, right? So, but, if you, but uh, it, it would be helpful if you get a chance to come out and help on Saturday uh, and um, just to talk to some of the people, and you know, sometimes you can help them load up some stuff too as well, right? Uh, 8.30, 8.30 Saturday morning. Um, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared, receive the offering. And um, the Lord is good. Amen. When we get there. Amen. So.
the, the nice thing about the book of Philippians is the whole book itself is a, is a fairly positive book, right? There's not much, if any, correction that he does in there. You know, he was really harsh on the Corinthians, really harsh on the Galatians. But the Philippians, he really had a fondness for and mostly just encouraging him about how good things can be. Amen. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll be blessed. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you all, I guess, on Friday, right? So.